Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So last week I was in Las Vegas, Nevada, attending the IPW Travel Conference hosted by the U.S. Travel Association and Brand USA. It's where international media and buyers meet with numerous destinations throughout the U.S. to see what they have to offer to travelers. Now, I stayed five nights at the Vidara right near the Strip. It's part of the MGM Group of Hotels and part of the Aria Hotel. What's different about the Vidara, though, is there's no casino attached to it, so it's a lot quieter and the rooms are set up as kind of like kitchenettes, so sort of an apartment-style hotel. I was on the 50th floor, though, so the view was spectacular, especially at night. Now, when I go to IPW, I usually go there with a plan in mind to chat with someone from the host city, which in this case was the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, Find someone from the hotel that I'm staying at to chat with, the state tourism rep and Brand USA, and perhaps an attraction or tour operator if they're available. Well, you know what they say about the best laid plans. They don't always work out. I did manage to sit down with Brand USA. They are the marketing arm of the U.S. Travel Association and chat about the past 18 months, some of the challenges facing the travel industry and looking ahead. In the next year. So we'll play that conversation for you in a few minutes' time. Plus, my meeting with Travel Nevada also worked out, where we discussed exploring beyond Las Vegas. So we'll have that chat for you as well. But after two scheduled appointments and two cancellations, I failed in my attempt to meet with the folks from the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. So hopefully we'll be catching up with them in the next week or so. Uh, to tell you what's new in Las Vegas. I will say this, Las Vegas is open for business and busier than ever. Now, they do have an indoor masking policy that you must adhere to for all indoor spaces, but no vaccine passports as of yet anyway. And for the most part, people were pretty good about the mask wearing. Uh, As for our conference, mask wearing was mandatory everywhere you went and where you attended an event or meeting. You also had to be vaccinated to attend this event and provide proof of such. Otherwise, you needed to go through a temperature check each day and do a rapid COVID test each day. I didn't see much of that going on, so I think everyone was pretty much vaccinated that uh, attended this event. Another thing you need to keep in mind when traveling anywhere out of the country is the need to provide a negative PCR test Upon your return to Canada, that can prove to be a challenge, particularly if you're away on a shorter visit like I was for only five days. Depending on where you're traveling to, it can be very time-consuming and quite costly. My PCR test, for example, was $250 US, which I got at a health clinic. Now, there's other places like pharmacies and such that offer cheaper tests, but the issue with them is you need to set up an appointment ahead of time. The ones I checked with were all booked up. And remember, you only have a small window of opportunity because the test must be done within 72 hours of your arrival into Canada. And some places may take up to 48 hours to get you the results. My tests were returned to me in less than 24 hours, 
and I didn't need an appointment to get it done. So that was the advantages of paying more. In fact, I was in and out in about 10 minutes for my test. We're going to discuss uh, the PCR testing more later in the show when we have our weekly roundup with Ken Stewart from Crowfoot Travel Solutions. Once you have your negative test result, though, it's almost like it's a sigh of relief. When you take the test and you have to wait that 24 hours, or in my case, less than 24 hours, or up to 48 hours, whatever that time period, it's always in the back of your mind. What if I test positive for whatever reason? You may not have any of the symptoms or anything like that, but you know, it's kind of always in the back of your mind until you get that test result that says negative, and you just kind of go, good. And you don't want to lose that result either, because you need to show it when you're checking in to get on the plane to get home. Now, speaking of which, you also need to fill out your ArriveCan app prior to departing as well. That's pretty simple. I must admit, uh, you just go on the uh, app, follow the prompts, fill in the information. You do need your proof of vaccination. If you have such, if you're fully vaccinated, uh, you need to upload those documents. So yeah, you fill in the documents, fill in the information, and it's a pretty smooth process uh, once you have your ArriveCan app filled in and your documents, your negative test result. Uh, it's a pretty smooth process getting back into the country, I will admit. Some of the fun things I managed to take in outside of the conference was a tour of the new Allegiant Stadium, home to the NFL's Las Vegas Raiders, and what a fabulous building that is. And an interesting fact about that building, one that stuck with me the most, is that they have three different surfaces that they use for events. One is for concerts and those types of things. One is for soccer and college football and one that only the Raiders play on, which is a full natural grass football field that they store outside. And only the Raiders play on it and are allowed to use it. So how do they maintain and get this grass football field indoors when they need to use it? Well, they keep it outside and they're watering it and it's encased in a 19,000-pound concrete container. Think of a uh, plant box, only it's the size of a football field, and it's about four or five feet deep. And they slide it in and out of the building. It takes about 90 minutes for it to, uh, for them to move it into the building. And it really is something to see and quite an amazing feat. Another fun thing I did was visit the Mob Museum. And that's where I was hoping that someone was available to do a segment with my show to share with you. But as I mentioned, that fell through. But I did do a tour of the museum. And what a great experience. It's located in a former courthouse And it covers the beginnings of the mob scene through immigration to the U.S., through the Prohibition period and how the U.S. government fought back to end their criminal activity right up to present day. And yes, there were ties to the mob and Las Vegas. Some of the artifacts on display include the St. Valentine's Day Massacre wall, Al Capone's revolver, plus uh, plenty of interactive displays. It really is an interesting place and a great way to learn the history of the mob and gang activity and a little bit of the history surrounding Las Vegas. So I uh, highly recommend it. And since the Mob Museum is so close to the famous Fremont Street, I took advantage of that too and strolled over to spend a few hours there. If you've never been, you have to see it to believe it. Fremont Street is alive with energy, excitement, entertainment. There's street performers, live music. They've got zip gliding going on above you, lots of lights, lots of sound, and uh, plenty of places to grab a drink or a bite to eat and just people watch. It is a lot of fun. In fact, I did one of our One Minute Travel Bit video features 
when I was there, because it's easier to show you than explain it to you. So I do encourage you to go on our website, theinformedtraveler.org, click on our One Minute Travel Bit link and have a look. Let me know what you think. Well, as I mentioned last week, I was in Las Vegas, Nevada, attending the IPW Travel Conference hosted by the U.S. Travel Association and Brand USA. And while I was there, I met up with Tom Garzilli. He is the Chief Marketing Officer with Brand USA. And we chatted a bit about the U.S. travel industry in general, how important the Canadian market is to the U.S., and uh, look ahead into the future. Uh, their website, by the way, is visittheusa.com. So here is that conversation for you now. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this, Tom. I know you're a very busy guy, and uh, this is very trying times for the travel industry. So thanks for uh, sitting down and joining us. Thanks, Randy. I really appreciate it. It's an exciting moment, actually, here. and For a lot of reasons. Not just uh, first, as we started the week, because just IPW and getting the industry back together again after... 18 months of being apart uh, seemed like enough of an excitement but then you know the announcement uh, today about opening the borders at uh, coming November mm -hmm. um, has just added a completely different level uh, to all this so we're just excited to be here yeah uh, maybe explain just uh, what brand USA does I think the average person probably doesn't make the connection of what you do what your mandate is sure. and, and those types of things well so we're essentially the uh, the destination marketing organization for the United States mm -hmm. we are a public-private partnership that we that was uh, began in uh, 2011 um, our mission is to uh, increase international inbound tourism into the US across the entirety of the United States. Mm. Simple as that. That's it. <laughs> it's like trying to promote people that come to the United States. That's right. Uh, and this is why we're all here. Um, you know, it'd be an understatement to, to talk about the last 18 months of just how devastating it's been through the tourism industry in general. But let's just for let people know that how particularly uh, troubling it's been for the U.S. travel industry in particular in the last 18 months. Well, I mean, it's been, you know, devastating for the travel industry around the world, certainly in the U.S., um, and international in particular. International inbound tourism is the second largest uh, uh, export in the U.S., and it's the number one service export in the U.S. And so, you know, it's been hit hard over time and but you know it's interesting because the domestic side of the mm -hmm. business started coming back uh, last year and many of the destinations that are here have actually had you know great 2020s uh, on the international side it's been much more difficult mm -hmm. and a fraction of, of what the you know visitation and spend has been but again I mean today uh, marks some amazing news where we're finally ready to welcome, uh, you know, global tourists back to the USA, and so we we are ready. <laughs> We've been ready for a while, and so yeah, we're excited about that part of it. Tell me the relationship between Brand USA, the U.S. Travel Association, and the government, because wow, they're right. the ones that make the make yes. the decisions, right? And I am assuming there's been lots of lobbying going on, and you know, this is what we'd ideally like to see, yeah. and. 
this is what happens. <laughs> so we're very much, you know, really a, a, a three-legged stool, which is, you know, kind of an overused uh, uh, metaphor. But, you know, basically you have the U.S. government and, you know, the Department of Commerce, and, and that's who we liaise with. The U.S. travel is really a, the advocacy part of the industry, and mm -hmm. they're the, you know, they're the leaders of the, of, of, you know, representing the industry itself to government. And our role is purely marketing um, and purely to the international audience. Mm -hmm. So we, of course, work all very closely together. This IPW is a U.S. travel uh, initiative, but we are a major partner of them. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> they have everything to do with us being created and funded and reauthorized. And so we work really closely with them. And then we, of course, work really closely with our stakeholders at, at the Department of Commerce. Mm -hmm. Um, it must be a heck of a job to market <laughs> in times like this. Like, tell me how tough that is. Like, because you know, on the one hand, yes, you, we need to market places to go, but on the other hand, you have all these changing rules. Yeah. Well, you know what? What we we really have been, and you know, we've always kind of seen ourselves as as the inspirer mm -hmm. of, the, of the travel. Right? We are very separated in terms of you know we don't sell vacations we don't yeah. sell packages so we're really about being storytellers and telling the you know the diverse diversity of people of experiences of places in the US and telling those stories and actually in this time of kind of pandemic and quarantine are those storytelling devices, our Go USA TV channel, our mm -hmm. films, and our United Stories, which this is this uh, uh, RV is part of that, mm -hmm. um, have been actually, um, uh, you know, continued to be utilized by consumers and help them, you know, kind of get ready and make some some plans for traveling when they could travel. Mm -hmm. um, our job now is going to be to help, con you know make global traveler comfortable that we're ready uh, for them but you know the cities and the states have done a great job of you know getting their places ready and they've communicated that out mm -hmm. and what is also interesting about this is a global issue yeah so you know I think globally everybody knows as they start to get vaccine levels up so so people will know we're ready mm -hmm. and really what we feel and we've been continuing to do is it's been our job to just keep reminding people why they love visiting the USA and to be ready to go when you know when the time uh, time is right. Speaking of love visiting the USA, Canadians love visiting the USA. How important is the Canadian market to oh, uh, US travel? Canadian market is the, you know it's our number one market. It's also the number one uh, consumer of our digital streaming TV content. Um, not surprisingly, really, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, of course, the Canadian market is is you know is so close to us and pro you know likely to be the one that's going to want to come back uh, the quickest. Um, and you know we're just we're ready to do that in the next few weeks as, mm -hmm. as things open back up. Looking ahead in a year from now, where do you think we'll be? I know it's a real hard question. Well, you know, <laughs> I, well, I feel like we'll be you know we'll really be close to back to normal yeah. I think you know yeah. I mean the pen is such pent-up demand 
uh, for the Canadian market particularly, which is you know which is as much a drive market as it is a fly market, mm. it, it won't be as um, you know some of the overseas markets we're going to have to ramp up as the as as seats air seats ramp up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Canada, when it's open, I mean, those cars are going to start coming across the border pretty quickly, um, as will the airline uh, seats. So, yeah, I would say a year from now, um, we're going to be sitting here, um, uh, hopefully, together and yeah. celebrating, uh, you know, uh, a, a great comeback year for tourism. Anything you want to add I might have missed? No, just thanks for, for your interest, and we just look forward to welcoming Canadians uh, to the USA. Awesome. Uh, Tom Garzilli is the Chief Marketing Officer with Brand USA. Visit the USA.com as the website. Thanks for doing this, Tom. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Enjoy that. So as I've been saying, I was in Las Vegas last week attending the IPW Travel Conference. It's where international media and travel industry buyers meet up with the various destinations throughout the U.S. to learn about what each destination has to offer. And while I was there, the folks from Travel Nevada took some time out of their very busy schedule to chat with me about what there is to see and do beyond Las Vegas in Nevada. And I spoke with Tracy Barthouse. She's the PR specialist with Travel Nevada. TravelNevada.com is their website. So here's that conversation for you now. Here we are in Las Vegas, in are. Nevada. Yes. But it's your job to promote more than Las Vegas. So yes. let's talk about getting outside of Las Vegas if we're here for a few days and want to explore more. Um, your website says Quick Nevada Faves. Yes, yes, you know. <laughs> what are some Quick Nevada Faves? There are so many, I, you know, I, I've been asked that question a lot on during this this conference is what's your favorite road trip? We have 10 road trips. It's like choosing a favorite child. You can't do it. I've got the booklet right here. <laughs> there you go. It's hard. There's, you know, each one has their own personality, their own, you know, Nevada is wonderful in that way is that it's just, so there's something for everyone and you can't choose a favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, the best way is to have a car, I would Absolutely. imagine, right? To, just, just because of ease. Mm -hmm. Uh, and getting around. So I'm just going to open the book here like there this we and we'll find right. one. Uh, the Country Corridor. Oh yes, the Cowboy, Cowboy Corridor, yes. So up in northern Nevada is the Cowboy Corridor. It starts in the town of Reno, which is, um, you know, northwest mm -hmm. and follows the I-80, Interstate 80, across to the town of Elko. Along that road trip, there are many um, Western type experiences that you can stop and really get the authentic feel for uh -huh. the Wild West. Something I think a lot of people don't know about Nevada, especially Northern Nevada, yeah. is it has a lot of Basque influence. So back in the day, a lot of French and Spain, uh, Spanish immigrants came over. They found that the landscape um, was very similar to what they were used to at home. Mm -hmm. So they made a Northern Nevada home. And what they would do is they would go up into the mountains during the day and herd sheep. They would come down to boarding houses in the evening and um, have a big family meal very garlic there's a drink called the pecan punch that's very unique to the area they would drink that and they'd spend the night upstairs from the restaurant <laughs> but you can still do that today oh, cool. so there are those restaurants all along northern nevada which is a big highlight along the cowboy corridor so what's the average uh like this are these day trips what i have to kind of stop and, and do an overnight or kind of because because nevada is quite a large state isn't it it is you know from one if you're going the width 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 of the state at the top part of the yeah. state 
Um, it's about a five and a half, six hour drive. So okay. you definitely want to probably stop overnight. You could do it if you wanted to, though. Yeah. You know, it depends on how much of a road how fast you drive. You, are, you know, <laughs> maybe some of that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just opened up another one. Right. Death Valley Rally. We'll do a couple here, and then you can talk about some of the other things going on. Yeah, the Death Valley Rally is something that you could do. You know, people come. Las Vegas is very much a bucket list destination for many, many people. Mm -hmm. So as someone who promotes the entire state, realizing that people want to have their Las Vegas experience, there are, you know, wonderful things you could do on this trip. Yeah. You can still go out to Death Valley National Park for a day trip or even spend the night and then go back and have your Las Vegas vacation. So Death Valley Rally is, um, it goes, starts in Las Vegas. Yeah. It goes up to the town of Pahrump, okay. which interestingly enough has vineyards and wineries <laughs> i bet you many people i didn't don't know that rye nevada desert it, you know we can go grow grapes would they wine. be dry wines then just kidding <laughs> i know i know just I, kidding. I don't know you well enough to know if that was a joke or not and i was like i haven't had them in a long time i don't know <laughs> so you can go into um death valley national park which um also crosses the border with nevada and california um that also along that road trip is the ghost town of Rhyolite. So Ooh. there are more ghost towns in Nevada than there are actual incorporated towns. Like real ghost towns. Real ghost Not towns, yes. People, no, funny. no, real ghost towns. Cool. Um, hundreds upon hundreds of ghost towns. And Rhyolite, which is on the Death Valley Rally, is probably the most uh, preserved ghost town in the state. So wow. it's a great place to stop and check things out. Cool. And um, yeah, head into Death Valley National Park. It's beautiful also and you know, make it a full make it a full road trip. Nice. All right, let's talk about some of the other things. I was looking on your website, uh, hot springs. Yes. Do, like I, I would bet a lot of people don't realize Nevada has hot springs. Oh, we have so I think we have the most hot springs in the United States actually. Uh -huh. Um we have resort hot springs where you can, you know, book a book a day pass and soak in the mineral of the spring. Um, and there are also hot springs that are a little less a, a little less easy to find. <laughs> um, you know, and we encourage anyone who's going to go a hot springing to make sure you're following the guidelines. A lot of it is on, you know, most of Nevada is public land. Okay. But some of the hot springs can be found on private land, so we okay. want to make sure that we're, you know, being res respectful of the land and um, mm. where those hot springs are. But um, there's definitely a hot springs culture in Nevada. Um, if you go to our website, you can read more about, um, you know, what to do at a hot spring and make mm -hmm. sure we're enjoying it for everyone for years to come. Yeah, and I guess that's the best way. If you're planning a trip and you're, uh, we'll, we'll use Vegas as a starting point because here we are. Um, that's probably a good idea. Like, you just go on the website, plan, uh, on, depends on how many days you're here. If you want to do a day trip, you want to explore out uh, and... and stop overnight uh, yeah. somewhere else that's a, that's the way to do it right that is you know and um we broke our marketing team has worked so hard over the pandemic i think they rewrote some like 500 pages of our website with all fresh content each road trip has a glove box that kind of gives you a checklist of what to expect and what to bring for mm -hmm. your road trip and actually also each road trip has a spotify playlist that you can download before <laughs> you go so you really get in the mood while you're along you know along the road trip so i think that's an extra special fun thing that we have um what is like what are some of your favorite spots uh, you live here i know it's really hard because it's when so you live hard. in some place <laughs> sometimes you just kind of forget but if i was you know if you're if you have friends and family coming in town uh, what's yeah. like some of the popular spots i guess you know 
know Lake Tahoe is absolutely beautiful. Mm. It's in uh, Northwest. Uh, it's near. You would fly into Reno from Canada. Mm. Um, Lake Tahoe is absolutely stunning. It's you know it's a year-round destination, so you can do skiing in the in the winter time, and then those turn into hiking trails in the you know the non-snow seasons. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm taking a road trip, I like to go out to Great Basin National Park. Okay. Which is um, again across the across the state, about five and a half hours. Um, it is one of the least crowded national parks in the lower 48 in the United States, so you feel like you have the entire park to yourself. Um, the really cool thing about that park is it's an international dark sky place. Oh, so cool! After yeah. the sun goes down, and the I mean, you can see stars forever. I mean, it's so hard to really articulate how beautiful it is but they just recently built an astronomy amphitheater okay where they have dark rangers not park yeah. rangers yeah. but dark <laughs> rangers who lead workshops and explain you know what you're seeing in the sky um and really have leaned into the whole dark sky tourism which nevada is beyond las vegas and reno it's pretty dark you know so yeah. there are a lot of those places around the state where you can see you know the night sky and it's just fantastic and that dark sky uh kind of uh, tourism is really picking up. I mean, we have it in, in Alberta, there's Jasper mm -hmm. and, and, and other parts of the province yeah. too. And, and all over the place, it seems to be more and more that people are looking to actually see real stars. Yeah, you know, I did, I was talking, you know, prior to COVID, I was leading a tour um, and the people on the tour, they don't see stars in their homes, in their hometowns. So, yeah. I mean, to, to have that experience is, I think, something really special. And, you know, you can't, you can't do that a lot of places. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's something special we have in Nevada. And, and, uh, and now, if I didn't want to rent a car, there are other ways to get around that. I mean, there's obviously there's tour companies, and they'll do this for you, right? There are tour companies, yeah. Yep. Um, so, it kind of depends on where you go in the state. Of course, mm. you're going to have, you know, your major, like, Ubers and Lyfts and yeah, taxis yeah. and that stuff in Reno and Las Vegas. Um, and there also are also tour operators that do operate tours. You know, yeah. there's a lot of national park types, tour operators that can get you to Great Basin National Park mm -hmm. in Death Valley. Uh, you keep mentioning national parks. There's a lot of national parks here too, right? There are two national parks. Okay. We have a lot of state parks. That's it. Yes. So one of the road trips that we promote is the Great Basin Highway. It starts in Las Vegas, uh -huh. goes up to Great Basin National Park. There are five state parks along that road trip. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you can stop. You can see slot canyons. Um, one of them is fed by like, water, which is interesting in like the Nevada desert. So it's very green and lush. Um, and like I said, it's very remote. Nevada is very remote, so you get, you, you know, you get the parks pretty much to yourself. And yeah. our parks department does a fantastic job at maintaining all of them, so they're they're all worth a, a visit. Well, this is excellent. Anything I missed? You might want to throw in. Or... Oh, come visit us. We're, you know, <laughs> we love to see. We love our Canadian friends, and um, hope to see more as you know the as things open up more and more. And you know, welcome you back to Nevada. For sure, Tracy Barnhouse is public relations specialist with the uh, Travel Nevada, the Nevada Division of Tourism. Their website, travelnevada.com. Lots of info on there. So thank you so much for oh, doing thank this. You. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website at theinformedtraveler.ca. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. And if you want to drop me a line, my email is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler. Or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.